Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message from Real Life Community, where we talk about connecting with God and others, growing in Christ-likeness, and sharing God's life with the world. My name is Sarah Comer, and I serve each week as Connections Pastor, making sure that you know that there is a God and a community that loves you and wants to go through the seasons of life with you. You can find us at reallifecommunity.org, and we would love to meet you on Facebook or Instagram. Until then, we hope this message meets you right where you are and helps you know just how deep the Father's love is for you. So I got to say, I am so excited to be back in church today. Um, Last week, uh, obviously, we were not here. If you were not here, um, you were not the only one. Uh, but I had surgery a week ago this last Friday. On uh, I had a tear in my meniscus, and it has kind of, not kind of, it has hampered me from being able to run and stay healthy and active. And the doctors finally said, well, let's get in there and take care of that. And so we did that. And I just have to tell you, it has been a great journey for me, and I think in part, that's because I know you all are praying, and I just want to say thank you for your praying for me uh, in my surgery, my recovery, but also Christy, uh, who right before my surgery um, contracted the Rona, and uh, so that was not quite how we had planned on things going uh, with my surgery, but I just want to th- say thank you to the church uh, for your prayers and your love and your words of encouragement. That was awesome. But I tell you, not being together is just weird, right? It's like a part of you is just not quite there. And so it is good to be back. Uh, It's been like two weeks since we've been in person together. And that's just way too long for the people of God to spend apart from each other. So I am glad that you are here, whether you are here in person or whether you are online. Um, I'm just glad we're here together. Um, I've got a whiteboard today, which just tickles my heart uh, because I love to doodle, and hopefully my doodling today will help you visual learners uh, get a kind of sense of what we're talking about. But as we kind of get into this, I have a question that I want you to answer, or actually a thing I want you to share with those around you, and and it's this. Share with the person next to you something that has been hard for you to give up. Something hard for you to give up. Maybe it's like presently you're struggling with this. Maybe it was something in the past and you're like, oh my gosh, that was so hard uh, to just kind of give that one up. Uh, Take a few moments, share with the people next to you, uh, and go. Try again. Can you hear me? Oh God, are you listening? Life is never perfect. Yeah. All right. Uh, for me, I remember a time when Christy and I decided we were going to do a fast to begin our the, the a year, and uh, we did a 21 day Daniel fast. And part of that Daniel fast was not eating, um, like, sweet stuff. Uh, and basically, we, we, all we ate, I, I hate beans, all right? Can I just say that? I hate beans. 
But that was like the only form of protein that you could really have with this fast. So I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to have to get to like protein or beans. And so I can now eat those uh, growing up. That was just wasn't a thing. But for me, you know, giving up certain kinds of foods was difficult because I love my food. I, can I just be really honest? My biggest struggle, sweet tea. Anyone resonate with that one? Amen. Me and sweet tea are meant to be together. And, uh, and there we go. But we're talking about grace, and we're talking about the grace that helps us yield those things, give up those things that, uh, that have a, a hold of our lives. I don't like the fact that sweet tea and I are meant to be together. Uh, while I enjoy a nice, cold, ice-filled sweet tea, I recognize that there are times when too much sweet tea is not a good thing. And so when we're talking about grace, we've talked about prevenient grace, that grace that is kind of working on us when we don't eat, we're not even aware of it. It's, just, it's kind of, it's, it's setting us up, it's getting us ready, it's preparing us for these encounters with God. And um, there are times when we look back and we're like, oh yeah, God was working in my life. And that's what we're talking about when we think about prevenient grace. But today we want to talk about something a little different. And that is the idea of sanctifying grace. Sanctifying grace, and we're going to talk about that in just a second. But 2 Timothy 1, 9 through 10 says this, For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. I want you to think just a moment about how you would describe the opposite of a holy life. And I want you to put that in that line right there, and I want you to feel and sense how weird that sounds, right? For God saved us and called us to live a... You fill in that line that you have there. And that's just, that's just weird. Like God has something more for us than the life that you have just described. He wants us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserve it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time, to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And now he has made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. This is the word of God for the people of God and the world. And we all say together, thank you, Jesus. I, I've wondered about that passage of scripture. I come back to it time and time again, but it says this, it, from the beginning of time, it was God's plan to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. Now, from where we stand looking back, we know that God did that through Jesus, through what we read in the gospels, that that's what it looked like, you know, that humanity was broken. We were far from, our, from Christ, from God. We, we just didn't know how to do it. And so God, through Jesus, lived life, died, was, you know, was crucified, was resurrected to new life. And that was kind of like the the way we see the plan. But I wonder this, how would God have shown us his grace through Jesus Christ had we, humanity, and I'm going to call us as a, as a whole, had we not fallen? Would there have been a need for God to show us his grace had there not been the fall? 
And I think the answer to that is yes. God would have showed us his grace. It would have looked completely different. But God's always been about the plan of revealing himself to us through Jesus Christ. Well, but pastor, I thought Jesus just showed up like around zero and uh, lived life for about 30 some years. Yes, he did show up right here among us in our form. But Jesus, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Father, they have always been. Scripture talks about how Jesus was present at the beginning. And it was through Jesus that God created. Jesus has always been around. And so whether there had been a fall or not, I believe that God would have shown us his grace through Jesus. That's kind of what this passage of Scripture says. But God's desire is for us to live a holy life from the very beginning. That has been God's desire for us. If this is our life, a haphazard circle, if this is the totality of our life, I, I, I want us to talk for just a moment about how every one of us has a throne. Every one of us has a throne in our life. And it's upon that throne that we, that whoever is Lord of our life sits. Now, for some of us, <clears throat> for all of us at the beginning, we know that self sits on that throne. Now, before we ever come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, from our perspective, Christ is outside of our life. From our perspective now, we know that that's not completely true because God is preveniently working on our life. And so God is not sequestered off to the distance somewhere. God is actually intricately involved in our life. We are just not aware of it. But from our perspective, in fact, there are times when we say, no, God, I do not want anything that you have for me. Now, sometimes it's really bold, right? Like we get some gumption up and we're like, you know, God, take a hike. Sometimes it's just we ignore God. So it's not like a conscious no, but it's a, I'm going to like focus over here. So from our perspective, sometimes it is this. Christ is outside of our life because that's where we want God to stay. But at some point along the journey, Christ moves from outside to inside. And we call this, uh, there's a moment of salvation in our life where we come and we um, we, we say, Jesus, I recognize the error of my ways. I recognize this path that I'm on is not headed in the right direction. I want you to be a part of my life. We welcome him in the front door. But you see, there's still a problem here. We are still on the throne. Jesus is kind of there. We acknowledge Jesus. We kind of hang on to Jesus as a kind of a life preserver, but he's not Lord of our life. We still sit on the throne. So in salvation, Christ moves uh, from outside to inside and is now part of our life. Now, but remember, God is always working on our life. No matter how far you may think you are, God is always at work. That's the good news, at least part of it. But you see, there's this, there's this struggle, right? Like we know that Christ wants something specific from us, but yet we're not quite ready to like give him full control. So there's corners of our lives that we're like, okay, Jesus, you can have that one. 
I'm keeping this one. Jesus, I'm going to let you move into that room in my house, but not that one. In fact, Jesus, I'm going to let you have the entire bottom floor. Upstairs, that's mine. Down here, we don't have basements for the most part. But if there were basements, we might even say, Jesus, you can have the basement. I get the rest of the house. That might look a little like what someone who is saved might encounter. But that is not ultimately God's final desire for your life. Because of God's sanctifying work in our, because of God's sanctifying desire for us, he wants us, he wants to be more than just a part of our life. He wants us, he wants to be Lord of our life. So we let Christ sit on the throne of our life. <laughs> and we say, I'm along for the It's almost like uh, sometimes we, we almost act like little kids who have this desire to drive the car. And we, we all know that kids are just re- aren't quite ready to drive the car, even though they may think they are. Um, but it's almost like a kid says, hey, I'm going to go for a ride in the family car. If they're, bo- if they're crazy enough, they're like, mom and dad, you can come along, but I want you sitting in the back seat and make sure to keep your mouth shut. So here's this kid trying to drive, parents terrified in the back seat, and all the while, they just want to help this child recognize that, that they're not to be the one in the driver's seat. For us, for all of us, we're not supposed to sequester Jesus to the back row. We're not supposed to sequester Jesus to the basement. Jesus is supposed to be Lord of your life. And that is where sanctification comes in. Sanctification is this, is this moment where we turn it all over to God, but it's also this journey where we continue turning it over to God. Because there's times when you're like, yeah, I, I know that corner of my life, and I'm going to give that over to God. I, I, I do that. Lord, take this corner. But sometimes we forget about some other corners. But as we become aware of those corners, God's like, are you going to give me that one too? Oh, yeah. God, take that one as well sanctifying grace. To sanctify is to set apart or to declare as holy. This is, for those of you who are English folk, um, we're all English folk, like people who like grammar and whatnot. This sanctification, to sanctify, is always a verb, but it is a, most oftentimes it is used as a passive verb, which means it is something that is done to another rather than something that one does for themselves, right? So if I am doing something to Christy, I am the actor and I am doing it. Let's say I am loving her. I am actively loving her, but she is receiving that love. She's a part of that, but she is the passive part of it. So sanctification is all about someone, something, some entity saying, I choose to sanctify you. Now, Here's the question. What is our part in it? Now, uh, some of our early church leaders like Martin Luther, not to be confused with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Totally two different guys. Dr. Um, Martin Luther and other early church leaders talked about humans um, 
as those who let themselves live, live lives turned in on themselves. Uh, I was in uh, the store the other day, Walmart, I think it was, and I saw a gentleman as he walked by me who, I don't know what his condition was, but he obviously, uh, he had a really, really pronounced limp and his, his spine obviously had some kind of a, a, a severe curvature to it to where he was having a heart, he was, he was struggling to walk the way he was created to walk. And so it was, it was a struggle for him. And in that, I saw the image of what God deals with, with you and I. You and I were created to walk boldly, strongly through life. But sometimes things come along and they just curl us in on themselves. When we were in Hong Kong growing up, I remember there was a gentleman who lived on the streets near our house. And he, he usually hung out at this, there was this staircase up to this overpass over a busy road. And he kind of camped out on one of those, those landings. And um, every once in a while, we would grab a, a meal from McDonald's and we would drop it off to him so he would have something good to eat. Well, one day I, re- I got close enough to really see what his condition was. And I will never forget how his fingernails had grown so long and they were not careful, so they were like twisted around themselves to the point where he could not use his hands. And so he kind of functioned somewhat, but not the way he could have functioned. Now, those nails did not get that way overnight. It was a slow progression to where he had become so turned in on himself that he could not function the way he was created to function. And this is the image we have that Martin Luther talks about when we as humans left to ourselves, we live lives turned in on ourselves. We are contorted. We are only able to see that which we, um, uh, that which our body allows us to see. Um, uh, one of the phenomenons I see today is uh, what I call uh, texting neck. And that is, you know, people are, are watching whatever on their phone or they're texting, and their necks are, are like this. And, and I just can't help but think that in 20, 30 years, we're going to have a generation of people who are going to have serious neck issues because this is the posture that they have taken in all of their life. That is not the way God has designed us. God has designed us to open ourselves up to not just the world around us, but to the God who wants to do an amazing, sanctifying work in our lives. And so when I think about this gentleman, I would have loved to go in and just take in my, I probably would have had to take like pliers or wire cutters or something to just even be able to get to, 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 to where we needed to be with this gentleman. But you know what? He didn't want that. He, in some way, shape, or form, had grown so accustomed to this that for him, that's just life. But yet on the outside, I wanted to say, oh, but you could use those hands in the way they were created. And it's just like you and I. All too often, we live lives that turn us in on ourselves. And sometimes we don't even recognize it because it's been such a slow fade in that direction. But God says, I want to come in 
and not just be present in your life. I want to be Lord of your life. And as I become Lord of your life, I will be able to turn you out from yourself to the life that I have created for you. So I guess the question that we have is, you know, what does it look like for you to live life today? Are you turned in on yourself? Are you, are you more focused on yourself than what God wants for you? And I think for some of us, we might, be, we might have to say, well, yeah, that is me. There's two words uh, in Scripture that uh, speak of um, flesh. One of them is the word sarx, S-A-R-X. The other is the word soma, S-O-M-A. Sarx means, well, we use the word flesh to, dis- to, to translate that word. But it's not like skin, Sarks is this idea of a life turned in on ourselves. It's the bent of the whole person to be our own God rather than coming under the lordship of Christ. If we're wanting to talk about body and skin, we're talking soma. But when we talk about sarks, and Paul uses this throughout scripture to talk about this life where, where we just, we are Lord. We're the boss. We're calling the shots. And sometimes that happens because we've gotten to the place where we are more focused on ourselves than, than others. But the sanctifying work of God in your life says, I, God says, I want to make you more than what you could possibly make for yourself. And so there's this journey that we find ourselves on. And so I, I just want to paint you another picture. Say goodbye to the beautiful circle and the beautiful throne. I think I need a different easel. What do you think? And I want to paint you this picture. Uh, and I'm going to call this the journey of sanctification. All of us, at some point, we begin with this journey of life Uh, And we're going to use that word, sarks, as the definition of what that life looks like. It is a life governed by the sarks. Say sarks with me. Sarks. It is life lived in the flesh. It is us, we are Lord. And it is during this time of us living that God is at work, and, and God is at work through what we call prevenient grace. We don't deserve it, but God gives it anyways. That is grace. Well, there comes a point in our lives where we are, we recognize that this life that we're on is just, it's wrong. It's not the one that we were created for. And so we have this encounter because provenient grace has gotten us ready for it. And we have this encounter. And that encounter is is what we're going to call... Salvation. And it is in that moment where we find another form of grace that is at work, and that is saving grace. And it's in that saving grace where we are, it's not that we have figured out how to get ourselves saved. No, it's about us recognizing, I can't do it. I'm going to let God save me. 
And I think for the most part, all of us kind of get the idea that we need saving. I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, if we take a really good look at ourselves, we are a people who need saving. We're in deep doo-doo. We are drowning and we are in need of a savior. Now, there is something significant in particular that changes in us at this point. But I think for sometimes we have gotten to the place where we believe that that is the end of what God wants to do in our life. We've gotten our ticket into heaven. We've gotten our life preserver. And we're just kind of going to hang on to that until heaven shows up or, or whatever that looks like. And so we just kind of ride the, the salvation train. God does want to save you. We need a savior. But that's not all that we need. God has not just worked in your life to save you for heaven someday. While that's a part of it, God wants to save you so that he can sanctify you, so that he can transform, so that he can turn you out to the life that God has destined, that you were created for. Now, another little theological point that I'd like to make here. Um, Some would say that the Holy Spirit shows up in your life at salvation. Yes and no. Because the truth is, the Holy Spirit has always been at work in your life. Now, you may become more aware of the Holy Spirit at work in your life at this point, but, but the Holy Spirit, I mean, this is one of the main ways that God works in our lives. God gives us his Spirit that we might understand and know and experience the fullness of God in our lives. So we have this salvation. Now, here is where things get a little interesting. And this is where we're going to call the journey takes on this. We're going to call it a battle. Um, Battle for lordship. Now, Paul talks about this a few times. Paul talks about how, you know, there, is, there, there are these times when um, he, he knows what he wants to do, but he just can't do it. And he, there are these times when he knows what he should not do, but he can't help himself. He is talking about the battle for lordship in his life. Now, there's two options here, two forces in this battle, if you will. And that is what we would call sarks. It's a pesky thing. It really is. It's not, it does not like to lose. It wants to be the winner all the time. And so it exerts itself on us. We are tempted. We are tried. We are, are, we are influenced in bad ways. And so you've got this sarks on the one side, but you've got something else that is waging war against the sarks, and that is the spirit. The spirit that says, no, who's Lord up here? Us. Who's Lord down here? Jesus. 
if you were really honest, I mean, if we were to get really honest this morning and we were to start sharing testimonies of the battle that we're talking about here, I think every single, I know every single one of us would be able to share moments in our lives when we probably haven't always gotten it done right. We wanted to, but just something about us has just turned back to, back to the sarks. We, we've returned to the inward, the life curved in on ourselves. If you follow the story of the Israelites, the people of God through Exodus, you will find time and time again, this battle showing up because it's, yeah, we kind of know what God wants, but man, if we could just go back to Egypt, we, at least we'd have food. Do, but, but you'd have to go back to slavery. Yeah, but at least I'd have food. That's not just their struggle. It's our struggle. Sometimes we're like, yeah, if I could only just, but let me just, I mean, it's not, it's not that big of a deal. Just, no, no, it, it is a big deal. Because if you want to go back, to the life that you once knew. You've got to take it all. Because lordship, if Sarks is your Lord, Sarks is your Lord. But if, but if God is Lord of your life, all that comes with that comes with it. So we've got this battle between whether I am king or, with, or, or if uh, Christ is king. And I, and I just want to say there's one more thing here that on, this, on this diagram. There's a whole lot more. And this is what we call um, sanctification. There's been a debate, a battle among theologians. Like, is this a momentary thing, like, like a one and done, or is this a, a journey thing? And, and really, the answer is yes. There's this moment where we recognize, I am sick and tired of the battle between Sarks and Spirit. I'm tired of it. It's not leading me where I want to go. I know, that I, I know that Jesus loves me. I know that he's a part of my life but I am tired of Jesus not being Lord. I want Jesus to be Lord, but he's not. I want him to, but he's not. But I want him to be. And we recognize that if this battle depends on you and I figuring out how to do it, we will fail every single time. But God says, oh, but let me in. Let me in. I want to, and this is where sanctifying grace comes in. God says, I, I want to come in. And find those hidden corners of your life. And I want to take up residence in there. I want to flex my muscles in your life. I want to just expand in you so that it is less of you and more of me. So that I can give you the life that I am capable of in you. Folks, I don't know about you, but I would much rather have the kind of life that comes from a God who is able to create the heavens and the earth. Than a guy like me who is able to create... I mean, look at my drawing. It's pathetic. But God, the creator of all things, wants to do his creative work in you. 
And we call that sanctifying grace. So yes, there's this moment where you say, I yield it all to God. But that is the beginning of sanctification. That is the beginning of a life where we say yes more than we say no. And there may be times where it's tough to say yes. But God says, let me give you the strength to do it. Let me work this in you. I want Chrissy, and uh, Chrissy and I, we just want to share a, a brief moment, our, our, our story, really. Uh, your sanctifying moment. Keep it brief. I know that's hard. Okay, so I, um, I was saved as a young girl, and um, it was when I was in high school that we were on a retreat, and I know I've shared parts of the story before, but we were on a retreat, and I just felt like um, at the end of a service, the pastor had called for, had an altar call and asked, invited everybody to come up and just said, um, some of you in here, need, you want to commit your life to the Lord fully. And in that moment, I was, and throughout the whole service, through the worship set and everything, I had heard the Lord just saying to me, are you mine? Are you really mine? I know that you've, you've invited me into your life, but are you mine? Are you willing to give me all of yourself for what I want to do through you? And it was in that moment that I was like, oh my goodness, yeah, this is, I'm it. I'm, you have all of me um, and whatever that looks like from here on out. And so I remember finding my way to an altar um, in April of 1993 and saying, God, all of me is yours for whatever you will. Um, and it's been a continual process because he has continued to call me back to that. Are, is all of you still mine? Is all of you still mine? Has there ever been a moment where you've held on to your life more than you've let it go f to Christ? Yes. Yes. And yeah. what, it, I mean, God takes that and does a mighty work in that. Right. And I think he's still, you know, <clears throat> there's still, like I said, there's still moments where he's like, hang on. What are you holding on to here? And why are you holding on to this? Yeah. And it's, it's, a, it's a continual surrender. It's not just a, it is a moment of, of that moment where I say, God, I'm all yours, but it's a continual surrender. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it was um, in the fall of 95. So two years after her, she's always better than me. Um, and we didn't know each other at the time. Little did we know what God's sanctifying work in each of our lives was going to do in us in the future. But it was, again, it was at a retreat. And I remember uh, it was after the service, I was kneeling in the middle of this just mass of people. And I just, I knew that God, God said this to me, Jeremy, are you in or are you out? And my response was, for what? Because I, I honestly, it wasn't that I was running from it. I had not heard God be that specific with me about my future. But that night God said, are you in or are you out? I said, with, for what? He said, for ministry, I want you to be, a, I want you to be a pastor. And I just so happened that I, I was in an environment that showed me a really good example of what, it, what pastors accomplish in people's lives. And I said to him, if this is what you're calling me to, I'm in. You know, there was a time when, as I look back on other ministry experiences that just quite, weren't quite the kind of ministry that, that discipled people and equipped people. But that night, I, I said, God, I am in. And that really was a moment for me where I, I turned a page. And I, before that, my life wasn't a horrible life, but it wasn't the best life. But in that moment, I said, God, I am in. And that has been a journey 
of me getting it right and me not getting it right at times. But I'm so thankful for the grace of God that keeps coming back and saying, let's get back on the horse. Let's get back headed in the right direction. And I said, thank you, Lord. Thank you that you are faithful. You see, it's about sanctifying grace. We don't deserve it. God gives it. And our response is yes or no. Our response is always that. It's a response to what God is first doing in our lives. So this morning, I think my question for you is this. Are you willing to give up your confidence in Sark's? flesh. This morning, can you say that you have surrendered it all to Christ? That surrender is not to get God to do something. No, that surrender is in response to what God has already done. Hear me say that. When you surrender yourself to God, it's not so that God will notice you. No, it's because God noticed you and is already at work in your life. He is inviting you to come. Will you come? We're going to close with a song today because I wanted a moment for us to be able to say, I'm in or I'm not. So this morning, my question is this. Is there a corner of your life where you are still sitting on the throne of your life? As we sing this morning, um, as we sing this morning, I, I want to invite you to an altar. Now, that can be along the front here. It could be at your seat. But, but I, I, I want to I push you a little bit this morning. I, I don't want you just to sit there and say, I'll deal with this later. No, God's already invited you. What are you waiting for? So I want to invite you to kneel at your seat. But I'm going to say this. I think some of you need to walk from that seat to this altar. You need to take those steps. Because if you just kind of hang out at your seat, you know that it's just not going to... You need a bold step forward. So I'm going to invite some of you. If you want to come forward to this altar places where people have met with God in the past and will meet with God in the future. I want to invite you to come and give that last corner to God. Will you do it this morning? Close your eyes. <clears throat> and as Colin and Grace lead us this morning, I, I, I'm going to have us all stand in just a moment. But from that place of standing, I want to invite you to a place of surrender. Will you do that this morning? Will you then kneel at your seat or will you walk forward to this place? And is there something magical about this space? No, it's not. But I'll tell you what, there have been times in my life where I have had to move from where I'm at for it to get through to my head and my heart. So I'm gonna pray, stand with me. And as they begin leading us in, in this last song, I want you...
to move. Every single one of us is going to respond today. Every single one of us. For some of us, that's a yes. For others, it's a no. And we're just going to say, not right now, God. The crazy thing about God is he's going to say, okay, try again next time. But church, why in the world would we want to keep putting God off in our lives? Why in the world would we want to keep saying no when we've seen that all that God has done for us? Today, church, I invite you to live what we've called the sanctified life. A life where God is Lord. Church, will you come? God, I just pray that this morning that you would not let us stay in the posture of, of, a, a, of a life turned in on ourselves. God, I pray that we would be a people who yield to you so that we can open up to the life you've destined us for, you've created us for. Lord, we pray this in your name. Church, come. Kneel there. Kneel here. Whatever you do, respond to God today. Thank you for joining us today. We would love for you to join us in person. Our address is 2022 East Main Street in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. If you'd like to make a donation to keep our podcast ministry going, you can do so online at reallifecommunity.org give. Thanks again for listening.